uh, we're replacing a very, very, very old uh, original uh, sewer line. So, yeah. uh, and it's the main sewer line that running uh, over the Medway. So, a little pain for a lot of long-term gain. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9. There was a town council meeting last Wednesday, so we're doing our town council quarterbacking session today because the schedule has just kind of worked that way. So good morning, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Mercer. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Steve. Good morning to you as well. Uh, Sorry. I will take the heat for the uh, uh, delay from last week to this week, but fortunately, sometimes work gets in the way. You know, life happens. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no heat required. This is a cool place. No pun intended. <laughs> Understood. And this was one of your more normal meetings to the extent that, well, you had some swearing ins from the police department. Uh, you had a uh, town clerk with some updates, you had some license transactions, um, and then you had a presentation. So, I mean, it was all good, but yeah, let's just recap. <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. Sounds like. Yeah. So we'll skip over the town clerk stuff. Um, effectively, by the time this comes out, the vote for Tri-County to say yes or no will have occurred. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The important part of that vote will be the one on November 7th, which we will spend a little bit of time on. Absolutely, and we should, for sure. And November 7th certainly is the normal town biennial election. Happens every two years, and you, amongst other candidates, are up for election renewal of term of service and we appreciate your service and we hope folks get out and vote. And I know we've talked in other places that, you know, the town election normally generates about 20 percent. But to the extent that there's also a debt exclusion, which generally for an election can generate 40 percent, maybe the combination will actually get more people to turn out and vote this time around. We, we can only hope, Steve. We can only hope indeed. And following up on that, that time, that debt exclusion is effectively the Franklin portion of the, ta the town payment for the tri-county building, assuming it does go forward. Exactly. And and basically, that's a to a degree a moving target because it it will fluctuate. It fluctuates depending upon the enrollment from your respective communities right as well as the completion of the project as well as the interest rates who knows where they're going <laughs> exactly so you know the actual numbers are probably a few years out so right and it's probably going to be in that ballpark of about two million a year right. for 30 years which is the other difference because when we do a debt exclusion it's normally for 20 but you can go 30 and that's what they're choosing here exactly you can go well we were able always able to go 20 or 25 and now they've added the 30 piece uh we always felt we have always felt in the past that uh, when we did them, that we liked the 20 year piece uh, and we were fortunate enough to be able to do that. 
But with times being what they are and budgets being what they are, I'm sure Tri-County is looking at it and saying, you know, the 30-year piece might be a better way to go. So, And in terms of, you know, affordability, it does spread it out. So longer term, you do pay a little bit more, but you pay a little bit less on the go. Exactly. Exactly. That can help because clearly we've (laughs) we've had other (laughs) we've had other increases in expense and we may still have more. So having a little bit there, that may just make it a little bit easier. So absolutely, Steve. Yeah. And then the police came for their new next batch of new hires. And while they're new hires, they're new to Franklin's. In some cases, they're brand new. In some cases, they're uh, people moving. But effectively, they're just replacing backfilling. So it's not we're not growing the department. That, that's a separate topic. <laughs> These are replacements of within the budget line to get up to their full speed because people have left and or retired. Exactly. And that's something that people, you know, uh, we need to make sure people understand we're not adding for new police officers. Uh, These are uh, fulfilling spots that, as you alluded to, either retirements or left or moved on or did uh, something. But uh, it's always good to have those done uh, at a council meeting. It's you know, some of those good things that we're able to do. But uh, it was great to welcome to our community Officer Parker Luther, Officer Joseph Medina, Officer Robert Young, and Officer Martin Zimmy. Uh, They uh, were sworn in at our meeting last Wednesday, and it gave the council an opportunity to welcome them uh, individually to to our community and get sworn in uh, by our town clerk, Nancy Donello, at the uh, council meeting. So yeah. that was all good. Then there were two introductions, or one reintroduction, effectively, with Kelly Montenegro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly Monte- Montenegro uh, is our co-response program manager, and she uh, she was with us, and then she left. Uh, and we're very fortunate to be able to, uh, we, we were very fortunate to get her, uh, to come back to Franklin and, uh, uh, we're excited for, uh, the things she does, uh, and she, the things she does for our community. So it's a great thing. And that was nice to have, uh, Kelly come back and, kind of be reintroduced to the community uh, at the council meeting. And then the other one was uh, Frankie, our our other uh, police therapy dog. Uh, We have Ben Franklin, uh, and uh, who's a golden retriever. And now we have Frankie, who's a chocolate lab. Uh, And it was, uh, we had asked uh, a while back, if they wanted to bring him to a council meeting and they absolutely did. So we got a chance to meet him. The public got a chance to meet him and uh, uh, meet her. I should say. Mm-hmm. Her, yes. He's uh, a uh, female. So, so, so feminine uh, version of spelling of Frankie. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Steve. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. We, we all got a chance to uh, pat and say hi and, 
So all good things. Love yeah. to have those things come come forward to the council for sure. Yeah, she's an exciting little creature, and her tail was wagging with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. No, and welcoming Callie back, Chloe, as I think the chief alluded, uh, TJ Lynch alluded that Chloe, through grants, we had the one grant for the person to do a co-ride. We're now got the grant so we can expand it to have two people and Callie to manage. And as we get into a little bit more with the Safe Coalition update as well, clearly, as we've talked here and in other cases, Mental health is one of the big issues that the town overall is helping. And this is one key piece in that toolkit to help that. Absolutely, Steve. And it, it is a, a very key piece. And uh, the need for the uh, mental, mental health support staff is huge. Uh, and it's not just in our schools. It's also for the entire community. So, Good things, and uh, uh, I applaud the efforts of the uh, uh, grant writers uh, helping to get that grant and allowing us to bring Callie back. Absolutely. Yep. More to come on that front. Yep. And they uh, did a bit of business with uh, some license, uh, alcohol license transfers, effectively allowing the move for the two licenses and then combining to make it a little bit simpler, albeit there were three transactions, but it <laughs> does it. rules require what they are, yeah. what they do. Absolutely. And sometimes it does get a little confusing and I'm sure people out there are saying, didn't, wasn't Bob there just not too long ago doing the same thing. And, uh, again, it's, it, this is a moving of the licenses and we're required by law, uh, by the ABCC to, to do this. And uh, so it was as much, uh, you know, a little paperwork cleanup that is basically what it was. And, you know, you have the... Uh, the pouring, the farmer wine pouring permit and approval, and then the brewery, uh, because he not only has wine, he has beer mm -hmm. as well. Right. So you have the wine, and then you have the beer, and then you have the combined. <laughs> right. so, <laughs> and so. for people, if they haven't noticed, um, why is he moving? Well, clearly he's expanding, which is really the key economic development piece because what had been i believe was the sc rossi automotive place on yeah. cottage he's now expanding into so he's going to have a much bigger facility for both the manufacture the wine crushing beer making etc although I, he'd asked me actually made the beer yet maybe he yeah. will he's been doing that through contract but you'll yeah. have he will have we will have a bigger place indoor to enjoy such with the entertainment as opposed to just being outside. <laughs> a big, big part of this, as I said to Bob uh, after the meeting last week, I said, you're finally going to have a roof over your head, <laughs> you know, because most of it's been outside, obviously, as the little store up front. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is going to allow them to expand. And we certainly wish the visit Bob and the entire Vizella family uh, with some good fortune, good luck as they uh, move forward in expanding into that uh, great new building. So, yeah, 
Yeah. Refurbished building, I should say. Refurbished, renovated, updated, yeah. new parking lot. I saw it was being paved the other day when I walked yeah. by. So, yep. Yeah. And just to clarify, too, ABCC licenses are associated with the location, the address. And technically, right. I mean, he didn't yeah. move far, but he did need to change the address, which requires a boatload of paperwork. But yeah. as well, that's also why he comes and gets his farmer's license for the farmer's market and the winter market, because that license needs to be specially associated for those as well. Exactly. Exactly, Steve. And then Jen Knight-Levine came with an update on the SAFE Coalition and what they're doing. And I mean, we've talked about her before. She stood up, I think it was for 45 minutes and just extemporaneously, she just blew the place away. She did not quite so long, but um, what a presence. What a presence. An unbelievable presence. We are so fortunate to have her uh, working with our community as she does with the Safe Coalition. She is just a bundle of energy, uh, always a smile ear to ear, and so knowledgeable about what's going on. Uh, uh, for such a young gal to have the experience that she has in in that field is just it's mind-boggling to me. And uh, as you said, it just comes forth when she speaks. And uh, you just sit there and say, wow. Uh, yeah. You know, she's an incredible young lady for sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And the Safe Coalition is just, you know, what they do, uh, they've expanded. So, you know, initially they were, you know, just dealing with uh, overdoses and that kind of thing. But they fan distribution, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Distribution. They they do it all now. They do the entire gambit. They uh, you know, they help families, they they have these support groups and um they've even stepped up, you know, and Jen has a background uh with the migrant. Uh, uh, situate not here, but she has had it previously. So sure. she brought brings that knowledge and is able to help us. And the Safe Coalition is helping us uh, with with the migrant situation mm -hmm. because we're just again we're reaping the benefits of their knowledge and Jen's knowledge in particular. Uh, it's just uh, an absolutely wonderful group of individuals and team that they have at the safe coalition and you know a lot of a, a lot of what they do you know people truly aren't aware of working with our schools uh on, you know on a daily basis working with our police department uh there's so much they're able to do and there's so much that they because they are here and because they're in our community I just look in many ways uh, about the staff. If they weren't here, the staff that would we would have to utilize to mm -hmm. deal with the issues that they're dealing with for us. Sure. It's, it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from, <clears throat> from a town's perspective, Safe Coalition is just the a phenomenal group and we can't thank them enough for all they do for our 
people in need. Yep, for sure. And uh, you mentioned team, members of their team have multiple language capabilities and they're helping in that mm. language translation with the migrants as an example. Absolutely. <laughs> there's so there's just so many, so many things going on and so many great things coming from the safe coalition. Yeah. So uh, you know, Jen Levine and uh, Jim Derrick, uh, uh, all those people, you know, uh, that have worked so hard to, you know, uh, it was sad, I know, from my standpoint, a few years ago when they needed a bigger space and they mm. over to Norfolk and I'm saying, oh, geez, you know, uh, I was just sad that we lost them. But now they're back and they're back in Franklin and they're down at the mill building and uh, they've got a great space. Uh, so and it allows them to do a lot of the things that they weren't able to do in their other locations. So all good, really good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Their location, 31 Hayward, if you haven't been Thank into you. visit, Thank by you. all means visit. Um, they have a program or two or three every single day of the week for yes. some of the aspects of the community needs. It's just absolutely incredible. And it's um, not just and it's not just for the individuals that are in need, but it's the families as well. The support, uh, the family support mechanisms. Uh, the classes that they have for that and the assistance that they give to that. It's mm -hmm. just yep. great, great, great stuff. Family support, grandparents support, uh, you name it, it's there. Uh, school diversion for abuse. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they, they're listening and they're responding appropriately. Yeah. Pr proud to be aware of what they're doing and helping them in whatever way to the extent that we had informally created that Franklin not area nonprofit network. She's working that and coordinating that nonprofit network for Franklin's behalf. And it's really proud to see. Yes, absolutely. And then we can segue into the migrant housing status. Uh, Jamie's latest update. There's going to be a minor change to the extent that it seems like by the end of the month, they'll actually be full at the hotel. Right. We currently are at, uh, I think we have 89, or they have 89 rooms being used, and there's 100 there. So we expect the uh, balance of, and like 300 people, like 70, 70 students or 70 children, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, we expect the hotel to be full by november 1st uh pretty much and and you might have over the period of time you'll have some that move out and you'll have some that come in uh but we pretty much feel it's going to be full for the next year till june yeah at least that's through the lease that currently the state currently. has unless something happens and they extend. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And that's the, I think Jen spoke to it. Jamie spoke to it, but the, it's interesting to the extent that each of the individual families truly is a special case. And that's where some of them may indeed find another place to move on in their integration into the community, either here or somewhere within mass elsewhere. 
Um, but yes, that'll be some dynamic turnover, but effectively they're getting the services. The state finally is on site as well, um, augmenting what had been coming through the Interfaith Council and Safe Coalition and the community support. So the community support is, you know, they're just whatever, whatever is needed from the community where they're ready and the local organizations are there ready to do it and applaud the efforts of the interfaith, the Board of Health, uh, Safe Coalition, helping to coordinate those things so that we're not, you know, people aren't just going to the hotel and trying to drop things off. Or, right, right. So, uh, you know, uh, again, there's still a lot of issues that, we are going to continue to need to deal with, and we will do that. Uh, still waiting for some lots of information from the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is coming, but it is coming slowly. Right. And, uh, you know, in fairness. So uh, we all wish it was a little faster, but for whatever the reason, it, it's just not. And, you know, I. Uh, I do feel bad. We're trying to figure out transportation for these people, uh, and that's one of the one of my bigger issues. Is mm-hmm. we have them here at the hotel, they're in a home, uh, they've got no transportation, and they're kind uh, of stuck. Yeah, they can't work. They're kind of stuck. Yeah. So we need to figure out how we. The state needs to figure out how we help to get them transportation to the markets. Uh, to doctor's appointments, to the hospital, uh, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's on the top of our, obviously, our priority list as we sit here today. Well, I think that covers the meeting itself. The one other piece I'll throw in, since we'll have some time to do so as in an in, in advance, uh, certainly the Beaver Street Interceptor is going to be creating some uh, transportation headaches, potentially, as they start doing their construction along 140. And I think you're aware there's an information session coming up to Thursday, the 26th at six o'clock. Yeah, there there is. And uh, I would just ask people tune in. I think it's going to be 140 traffic will be disrupted for quite lengthy amount of time. A couple of years, potentially. A couple of years. It will be, but, you know, not totally. There'll be sections, uh, but the sections will change, but it's all along 140. And not to say that 140 traffic isn't bad enough, but to add this to it is going to create some angst among our residents. And and we get that, and I understand it, but... We need to get this interceptor, the Beaver Street interceptor done because the alternative is not good. And and as a resident, I will tell you, I would much rather deal with the disruptive uh, uh, traffic patterns Mm -hmm. to get this Beaver Street interceptor done because... Uh, we're replacing a very, very, very old uh, original uh, sewer line. So, yeah. uh, and it's the main sewer line that's running uh, over the Medway. So, 
a little pain for a lot of long-term gain. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's another adage, you know, planning in advance avoids failure. And certainly they are out planning. The contractor will be at the session and start talking, you know, in details around which section, when. So not just residents, but all the businesses really should be aware. Absolutely. And and that's that's the biggest key. And I think that was uh, one of the big reasons. And I think they were notified by either mail or whatever that mm -hmm. these informational sessions uh, will be held. And I'm sure there'll be some tweaking that has to go on as we move down the road. We're trying to make the interruption for our local businesses as minimal as possible. But to sit here and say that there won't be some uh, interruption, there will be for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Have a good rest of your day. And hopefully the residents will appreciate the shorter version of this. And uh, we'll catch you in November, I believe. Right. Uh, yeah, actually, I think we have one more before the election. Yeah. November 1st, that Wednesday. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. And thank you once again for having me. For the residents, a quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.